Well, in some ways you're referring to an old mind-brain uh, mind dichotomy, and yet we know it's not two things. And, and that's the, uh, in many ways, the interesting frontier uh, is to look at those things that we still find mysterious. It's all explainable on a physiological basis. It's just we don't understand exactly how it works. I don't think we'll ever totally understand it. And we don't um, want to. But this is okay. <laughs> I think we, we can easily learn a lot more. And we can, everything we learn will lead to new questions. And this is okay. This is a process. Um, but I think we have to speed up the process. that he's really shown that uh, the, the, uh, the evolution of the mind seems to, to conform to, to ways pretty exactly often. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Carl J. Kalaman a little bit later about... Uh, his book, The Global Mind and the Rise of Civilization and the Quantum Evolution of Consciousness. Uh, it's a pretty fun one. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. But first, as always, Graham is an all-in believer in Chemtrails Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Thanks. Oh, I, got, I got some feedback about me being a sport about your little thing there. Did you? Yeah. Is that what they called you, a sport? I'd being a good sport. There you go. That's I don't know if they said sport, but they meant uh, they meant it well. Did they? Yeah. What right. do you say? Is it possible that it was yeah, meant? Yeah, good sport. Yeah. Good sport? Yeah. yeah. What does it say exactly? Why don't you read it for us? It says... Uh, Wait. By the way, holy crap, I laughed my ass off so much when Darren plays the... Graham is an all-in believer in Chemtrails audio piece. You must know that he would have only played it once if you had never reacted the way you did. Funny stuff. Way to be a good sport, though. No whinging and no moaning. If you would like that as a ringtone, let me know. I have been doling them out to a few people. You know, I should have charged a donation. I could have sold those ringtones. But it should just I be, don't mind. I just don't like the chemtrail thing. It should be geoengineering. Graham is an all-in believer in geoengineering. I'm going to do a segment about it today on this intro. Are you? Yeah. So this is where we chat a little bit before our guest, and there's a timestamp in here. If you don't want to listen to us jabber on our lazy ramblings, you can just fast forward to the interview with with uh, Carl, which is pretty interesting. Talking about the the real the real jump in in civilization, like what six thousand years ago. Pretty interesting stuff, actually. There was some, yeah, some uh, very interesting. Some of the art coming in is pretty cool. The art for what? For him? Yeah. Oh, really? I do like that aspect of it that I can now watch. Now there's actually quite a bit coming in. Like, I think there's four or five already. Oh, that's cool. Well, there was a dramatic change of culture way back then, like 5,100 years ago. And, and he thinks it's the uh, there was an evolution of consciousness, which is pretty interesting. Mm. Yeah. And he talks a lot about the Mayan calendar and in between the Bactunes and all that. Bactunes? Bactun. Bactun. So there's good art coming out for this guy? Yeah, well, even last week there's some good art. Yeah, it's coming along. It's coming along nicely. Some more people should hop on and it'll be great. Yeah. 
And then don't forget, you can if you don't want to compete, you can just make art for the back catalog. Oh yeah, there's a lot in the back catalog that need art. I want to post it on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, there's like a hundred episodes. And so, how do pe- people can email nap as yeah. in take a nap nap at grimerica.com. That's right, nap. So what's new? Not much. Ready to play your clip? You're all excited about. Or just get that. Do you want to just way? get right into that? I got some listener feedback and sort of some synchronicities, but yeah, I Let's definitely want to do that first before we fucking get everyone to skip ahead. Okay. I don't feel. I feel like a lot of people skip. No, ahead I've got good feedback about the segment. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, there's lots of geoengineering geoengineering going on in the world right now. Okay. And then nobody's talking about it. It's time for another installment of the Canadian Third Party Synchronicity Rating Authority. So, so Darren, these are both sort of synchros. Do I get to rate them? Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling. I'm feeling particularly harsh. Yeah, you don't need to read them. Then they're just. It's more of like just a fun, couple fun stories and some feedback. So, uh, hey guys, I'm Alex from Indiana. He's been listening for about eight months. About to join the bandwagon monthly subscriber base. So thanks, Alex. It would be good it's to have not you. A, trust me, it is not during the bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> we wish it was a bandwagon. Joining, it's like joining the radio flyer. <laughs> <laughs> have a synchro for you. Going to get a little dark for a minute, but wait and read it out. My grandmother died at a young age. She was only 55. I was 13 or 14 years old, that age when you need a loving figure like she was. I remember growing up with this woman and she always had two favorite songs. One song was I Can't Help Myself, Sugar Pie Honey Bunch by Four Tops and Wings of a Dove by Ferlin Husky. When she passed away in her home, the days leading up to her passing, I didn't quite get the grasp that she would no longer be there. I haven't dealt with death in my family until she passed. I remember asking her, what am I supposed to do without her being around anymore? She laughed and held my hand and told me to never worry, that she will always be there. I asked her how. She responded with, you'll see. A couple weeks later, she passed away in her home under the care from hospice. Long story long, to this very day, I hear those two songs regularly. It does not matter where I am or what station I'm listening to on my Spotify. I've been in bars where they were playing party music, and I can't help myself will come on. Not to mention the overwhelming happiness that fills me up when I hear that song. Like she is there with me. Call it a guardian angel. Call it what you will. Thought you guys might find this interesting. Hopefully I get some feedback or it gets told on the show. Either way, keep up the good work, guys. I can't rate that. I told you. Yeah. You don't have to rate it. it made me feel it's less a, harsh, though. It's just a good story. Yeah. Who's it from again? Alex. Thanks, Alex. Alex Lopez. So my sister had, like, speaking of, you know, relatives passing and stuff, my sister had a couple crazy dreams with my dad after he passed, like, really? where he took her, like, into the stars and stuff like that, like, pretty intense, like, lucid sort of dreams where she really felt like he was speaking to her. Huh? Yeah. You had none? I, I had certain dreams, but nothing like... What was that? Uh, the, keyboard down there just oh, way to like way to lighten the load yeah so yeah but nothing like um you know like good were you, dreams were you partying good dreams then? 
Yeah, when he passed. Yeah. 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 Partying makes it hard to remember dreams. Yeah. I still haven't recovered from my partying to remember my dreams. I've started to have glimpses here and there. What do you mean? No, it's just the pot, right? The pot. They say you don't remember dreams on pot. They say. Who's they? Listeners? (laughs) Feedback? I think maybe I need tea. I got to get some dream tea. I got some for you. It doesn't really help me. Actually, I I got the lucidamine. I've been using that. Uh, lucidamine? Yeah, it's sounds, a supplement. Uh, a lucid dreaming nah, supplement. I don't, don't want to get into your fucking crazy pills. Uh, did it, you have to order them from Australia because they're not legal in North America? No, no, they came from the States. Oh, did they? Yeah. And there, there's a nootropic as well with the, that I got with it. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's pretty. It, it makes my dreams a little bit more intense. It hasn't helped me become lucid because that's I'm practicing the awareness and all that, which is I use focus factor I, to offset my pot smoking. Well, offset it in a dream as far as no, dreams go. No, just to keep a sharp memory. It's it's like memory and focus. Oh really? I was on the al- I was on the alpha brain, but it's just fucking too. Some expensive. of them are so expensive. Yeah, it's so expensive. It's like fucking. I don't know, fifty or sixty bucks a month. I know, I know. I've been you trying. Know, to, I got a whole bunch of things. I've been having some glycine and then some pro longevity stuff. And just and yeah, water I just can't and, afford it. You know what I mean? So then I just went with. Uh, I, I was. I went through like maybe five or six of them, and I found the focus factor was one of the higher rated ones, and it was cheap. Huh. Cheaper, it was like half the price. I ordered so. some um, nicotinamide riboside, which is a precursor to NAD. <sighs> That's pretty crazy shit. Have you heard of the NAD? NAD plus? No, this is, is just like for uh, limitless shit. For, yeah, like well, no, it's not so much brain based. It's just an anti aging kind of. Uh, I'm into anti aging. It's really we should get into that. We should talk about NAD plus. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't want to get old. My buddy Mike. And I don't. Mike I never want to be as old as you are right now. I don't even want to get to there. So. If I'm you, on board. If you're my age and you feel as young as I feel, Dan, you won't mind it at all. <laughs> I've seen how young you feel. How many goals <laughs> you scored today? None. <laughs> Didn't you used to play on like a world's world stage and now you score no goals? Yep. And <laughs> <laughs> Calgary fucking <laughs> rec league. <laughs> I'm a little rusty still. I'm a little rusty. I'm in pretty good shape though. I'm just rusty. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not confident. As confident. I, you know what? I was thinking about it because I heard these guys. I've been listening to the Ben Greenfield podcast. That's where he talks about NAD a lot. It's actually pretty good. But they talk about the flow state, and I just can't. I think that what it is is like I'm not fucking sharp enough right now to get in that flow state. Like when you know when you're peaking out at hockey or whatever sport, and you do shit that you don't even where you don't even have to think about it. That's not really happening. I don't. I'm not a big ball hockey guy. I need, I score greasy goals, man. I need equipment and sticks and pucks and dips. Yeah. And <laughs> you can still score greasy goals in ball hockey, though. It tends to hurt more. Yeah, it's a little harder. A fucking orange ball on the calf. <laughs> anyway, most of our listeners don't know what we're talking about. So let's move on. All right. So, well, I got another one here. Now we really sound like Bob and Doug. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Talking about nootropics in hockey. Scoring goals, eh? (laughs) (laughs) So so this is from, uh, I just got to check to see if he wants his name. It's from Dave in Australia. 
Australia. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. How's it going, mate? <laughs> I've been listening to some back episodes. I've been loving it. I listen to it while I do lab work for my PhD. Time just flies by. Don't PhD know if, in what? Uh, he doesn't say. Ooh, we could have a scientist in the ranks. Yeah. I we like should it. guess what his PhD is going to be. Let's wait till after the... Okay, yeah. so he says, don't know if the following is a synchro, but it was funny. Last night I finished listening to the Simon Chikoisky episode talking about the five Dharma types. Quite interesting. After putting the kids to bed, my wife and I jumped in bed to watch a few episodes of a crappy TV drama on my laptop. It reliably puts my wife to sleep before getting up at 5 a.m. for work the next morning. Anyway, without a clock in sight, my wife interrupts me, interrupts the TV drama to tell me that she's hungry. I take a little notice of it when I see the time, 9.55, which makes me crack up laughing. She looks at me as if I'm crazy, so I have to explain. I tell her that the Simon Chikoisky interview I listened to discusses food cravings in response to your digestive cycle, that if you're going to stay up past 10 at night and expect to feel hungry. The funny thing is that she always has a good circadian rhythm, so to the point where she can tell me the time within 10 minutes any time of the day. I'm starting to wonder if it's linked to her stomach at all. Anyways, thanks for the hard work, you guys, that you put into the show. It keeps me well entertained and engaged. Please pass on a hello to the mysterious Mexican giant RPJ. Much love and peace. You know, I have that same uh, affliction. I can. The I can, 10 o'clock munchies? I'm, well, that's not just from. <laughs> and that end, I can always guess the time. Oh, yeah, I, I'm pretty good I'm at that always, too. To the minute sometimes. To the minute. What time is it right now? Uh, don't look, don't look, don't look. 48? Three minutes. Oh, not bad. <laughs> You're remembering what you've seen on the screen. No, I'm not. I just looked at you in the eyes. Yeah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I have precog with numbers. Do you? Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. Oh. Seven was the one that happened to me today. Was I just, it? I've, it's, it happens a lot listening to podcasts. I know what numbers people are going to say. It's not with words, it's just numbers. What am I going to say? 10,000. <laughs> 77. <laughs> that was my number today in hockey. Oh, that's nice. So Did you know I'm that? a psychic one. <laughs> no, I didn't watch. Oh, what channel that's was pretty cool. What channel was it on? <laughs> Try again. 33. 603. Yeah, you can't do it like that. It's got to be coming in a sentence. No. Like... It has to be coming in a sentence. Well, it's like I'm listening to that's, something that's and I know your, what that's number That's shitty say. fucking skill. <laughs> you can precog the number. Like, my car has how many times? <laughs> it's four. <laughs> You're like an X, man. All right, let's get into the, uh, I don't know, you want the UFO quote or the weather modification segment? Graham no, is no, an no, all no, no. believer hey. in chemtrails. I'm just not even gonna get upset anymore. <laughs> I think that's the first time I ever played it out. Yeah. Okay, buddy, here's your vindication. Okay, so this is, hang on, let's let's give it a little bit of background here. This is the CIA director. What's his name? Brennan. <clears throat> Brennan? Yeah. Yosef? 
Yeah, where is it? Now I'm trying to find it now. Joseph Brandon? Yeah. Brandon. Yeah, Director Brandon admits they're using geoengineering around the globe. He admits that they are spraying aerosol, part aerosol particles in the atmosphere to allegedly reflect sunlight. So this is pretty interesting. It's, uh, it's, Let's take a listen. Another example is the array of technologies, often referred to collectively as geoengineering, that potentially could help reverse the warming effects of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, or SAI, a method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat in much the same way that volcanic eruptions do. An SAI program could limit global temperature increases, reducing some risks associated with higher temperatures and providing the world economy additional time to transition from fossil fuels. This process is also relatively inexpensive. The National Research Council estimates that a fully deployed SAI program would cost about $10 billion yearly. As promising as it may be, moving forward on SAI would also raise a number of challenges for our government and for the international community. On the technical side, greenhouse gas emission reductions would still have to accompany SAI to address other climate change effects, such as ocean acidification, because SAI alone would not remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. On the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter weather patterns and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp opposition by some nations. Others might seize on SAI's benefits and back away from their commitment to carbon dioxide reductions. And as with other breakthrough technologies, global norms and standards are lacking to guide the deployment and implementation of SAI and other geoengineering initiatives. Now, I could go on and on and oh. on and on about the things that fascinate me, but rather than talk about them, I thought I'd stop here. Yeah. Well, how about you just stop fucking with the weather? Hey, why, why do we have to be doing that? He said could Can't we just should. Okay, I'm going to back it up with a report here from the World Meteor Meteorological Organization. Okay. Weather, climate, water. The WMO Expert Committee on Weather Modification Research. This is from November 2014. Weather modification around the world. 52 countries with active cloud seeding programs. Precipitation enhancement, hail suppression, and both of them together, some countries. 52 of them around the world. Cloud seeding programs in the there's U.S. There's 39, 39 active weather. It's fine. I'm okay with it. Seed all the clouds you want. Seed them. It's not okay, though. It's okay. It's not. It's okay. Then don't blame us for increasing the weather. I'm not. With the carbon. I'm not no, I'm not you. saying to, to you. <laughs> You're pointing at me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I want to talk chemtrails. What? He's not. I thought he was going to admit chemtrails. He's a, that's an admission that, he, that they're doing this around the world, that they're modifying the weather. We should. We should be. And they know exactly how much it's going to cost, $10 billion, for strat SAI. Look, SAI is Well, they've done place. a couple. They're doing it. They've tested it. SAI, around the globe. And they're probably using it as well for 3D battlefield technology or something like that. What is 3D battlefield technology? They use this, the fine particles that stay in the air, right? The 3D and then they them? can fucking use satellites and shit to fucking actually... Turn them into play war transformers? Games and shit. Yeah. 
No, no, honestly, there's some something else going on besides SAI, obviously, but still, I just don't get it why they have to fuck around with the weather. Because they need to fucking water the crops. Then just move, move, like just let people organically move around to the better weather areas. Isn't that possible? No way, man. That's our shit. So just continue fucking with the weather and then messing with the climate, and then who knows what it's doing, right? They're well, cloud seeding all over North America. Maybe they're causing all this fucking rain that we're having in Calgary right now. Shout out to Space <clears throat> Cat Guy. Space Cat Guy. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But at least they're stopping the hail from breaking my truck. There's 39 active weather modification programs in the U.S. right now. What are they? Uh, I don't know. There's just 39 of them. I haven't got into exactly which ones. Huh. How many are hail and how many are rain? I'm okay with both of those. How do you know the effect that that's having? I trust on it. us up I'll here, go maybe. With my gut. Go with my gut. Just trust that you could just mess around with the weather and it's not going to have any negative effect. I trust my gut. You, you just you, your neighbor might have more rain, less rain, more sun, less sun. Like, well, he's my neighbor. We'll be sharing. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Russia modified millions of acres decades ago. You don't think that affects anything? Like you're fucking with the whole system. Probably. It's just the rain. Oh, it, you don't think it goes into the tornado? You know? The tornado thing's kind of fucked up. Maybe that's from seeding the hail. It flooded down <clears throat> south again, too, the other day. Yeah, Saskatoon was flooded as well. There's what all are you going to do if you get stuck in there in Night Rider in a flood? It's got four-wheel drive. It's okay. It was up past the doors of the truck. Run really? Yeah, where is this? Down south. Down south where? I don't know. I didn't like in the states or oh, like in South Calgary. Oh wow, really? Yesterday, day before, like night night rider, you'll be up to your fucking past your ankles in water. So yeah. Anyways, uh, there you have it. Just another little segment. Sucks, man. I'm with you. Good. Good. Except the hill. I'm okay with the hill suppression. Yeah, hail damage sucks. Man. <clears throat> I don't you think go I'm pay good with deductible any... every time. <clears throat> you want to go pay a deductible once a year on night rider? Get all the fucking dents well, taken I'd... out of the roof. Yeah, the hood. I would sacrifice that for would fucking you? with the weather. I don't no. think it's right that we're messing with the weather. I don't know. I just don't think we know. Look, if they weren't, if there wasn't all this hubaloo about about global warming, <laughs> right? Then <laughs> fine. If you're not going to blame us, you know, if you're not going to charge me a carbon tax, then. Fine, but if you're going to blame us, you know, that the weather's actually hotter than it was 11,000 years ago when, when we were under a mile of ice here, it just, it just annoys me. We should run for office. What? We should run for office. We should? Yeah. Okay, I'll run. Good. You can run my campaign. No, maybe you should run. You're a little older. No, I don't want to. <laughs> okay. um, this is like the most political I want to get. <laughs> is that? Yeah. Talking about on the podcast. You think I could bit. run? I don't know if I could. Yeah. <clears throat> That'd probably tear me down with some political ad campaign. But I could maybe get mayor. I figured they could probably me. they could probably dig up dirt on you like no problem. Like, oh, you've lost your license so many times. You've gotten so many accidents. You you know, like I mean, there's a lot of. You, like, know, hey. you did a podcast on mushrooms. Like I mean, <laughs> that would do it right oh, there. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Yeah, I think I could get mayor. 
Yeah. If I could at least get start with the town council, then maybe shoot for mayor in a few years. Good luck. Let's That'd see. be the worst job ever. I would just hate it. I mean, uh, I want to spend half the year's budget on a solid gold chair with fucking wooden legs. It's like you're getting into our Egyptian episode coming up. That's right. You going to electrify your sperm? I'm just my scrotum. Right on, buddy. Good luck with that. I, I don't need luck. So did we talk about the art already? Yes. Okay, so what about other ways to support the show? Should we talk about that? Yes, or we do should. Or do you have to do a whole quote? I want uh, support. You want to talk about the support? Yeah. Okay. You do it this time. Well, we have monthly expenses here. We don't have ads, no portals, nothing like that, no breaks. You can just watch, listen to the show for free. All our back catalog is free. There's no paywalls. So we want to thank everybody for helping out, the monthly subscribers. And... Uh, we want more. We want more. Well, it would be nice to get some more bills paid for. Yeah. It does cost us more than more we thought. More subscribers. And uh, there's t-shirts available as well. And you can donate whatever you want. What else? Art. Newsletter. Music. Jingles. Stories. All that stuff helps. Sp- Feedback. Sp- I feel like with grandmas I've been getting enough spam lately. I'd like to turn that up. Yeah, turn up the spam volume. Sure. Turn up the spam volume yeah. from 2 to 12. <laughs> Everybody right now, stop what you're doing. Seriously, stop. And spam gram. G-A-R-H-A-M. Acroamerica.com. Not how Darren says it. Graham. Like the cracker. Graham cracker. All right, so are you canceling the UFO quote of the week or? No. Down in Graham, going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. All right, can I speak over this? During my long investigation of these strange objects, I have seen many reports verified by Air Force intelligence, detailed accounts by Air Force pilots, radar operators, and other trained observers proving the UFOs are high-speed craft superior to anything built on Earth. That was uh, U.S. Major Donald Kehoe. Kehoe? Yeah. Nice to know a cop named Kehoe. Yeah. You too? No. Oh. Didn't say that's a synchro. We're giving it a 10. <laughs> what else do we got here? I think that's about it, buddy. That's it? Yeah. No, it can't be it. Mm-hmm. It's too non long enough. Yeah, it's long. It's plenty long. All right, guys. Thanks for supporting and listening. Yeah. And uh, enjoy the chat with Carl, Jay. Kellerman. And, uh, yeah, who's up next week? Dr. Carmen Bolter's coming out. Ooh, a uh, video? Uh, hopefully. And then also... Another Egypt episode, so a couple back-to-back on sort of pyramids and Egypt stuff. Then we have uh, James Brown, James Ernest Brown coming out after that. Oh, yeah. Who do we interview next week? Ethan Indigo? Yep. Sweet. All right, guys. Enjoy the uh, interview. Mm-hmm.
right. Tonight in Gramerica, we've got Carl Johan Kalaman, PhD. He's got an interesting book here. I got it in front of me, The Global Mind and the Rise of Civilization. And the subtitle is The Quantum Evolution of Consciousness. Now, Carl's um, he's got a PhD in physical biology from the University of Stockholm, and he's a leading expert on the Mayan calendar. And he's authored a couple other books previous, and he's also, this book that we're going to be talking about mainly is part of a a trilogy that's coming up as well. His previous books were The Mayan Calendar and the Transformation of Consciousness and The Purposeful Universe. So uh, really fascinating work here. Carl, it's good to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be on your show. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's, uh, it's very interesting. I was just going to give a shout out to uh, the Inner Traditions folks for for hooking us up. Inner Traditions, yeah. Sending us a book. Yeah, it yeah. seems like it's been a while since we've done an Inner Traditions interview. Yeah. So, uh, oh, I see. So, Carl, um, I, I thought we'd start by maybe um, talking about how this book is part of a, a larger collection that you're working on. Do you think that's a good place to start? Oh, yeah, sure. It, it, it makes uh, uh, sense. Um, it's... Um, I've written a couple of books and also a few others than the ones that uh, you mentioned, but they, these yeah. are the books that have been published by in a tradition. So, okay. Yeah. And um, uh, and they, somehow they're always, you know, you shouldn't say that they are about the Mayan calendar, but the Mayan calendar exists there as, a, as some kind of an uh, underlying or informative structure that uh, plays a, a sort of a background role in 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 the stories you might say I'm I'm weaving or the the historical the conclusions that I'm uh, talking about in in these books and uh, <clears throat> there you might divide the, my books then into a couple of books that were written before what I refer to as the big shift in the Mayan calendar which happened in. 2011, mm-hmm. and then there is also a couple of books that are now sort of either being published or in the pipeline, uh, which is after uh, that particular shift, because to some extent that shift, I would say, at least for me, it opened up some kind of a new uh, perspectives, new openings, uh, a new wholeness or or. Um, a new globality in my way of, of looking at things. And so uh, I, I came to realize that the, after this shift, I had material enough to make a, a trilogy that would form a, um, a whole uh, three books. And this particular one, the first one uh, that's now been published by Inner Traditions, it's called The Global Mind and the Rise of Civilization. And rise of civilization here really refers to the uh, original rise of civilization. So it's it's really a book about the past, um, but it's studying the past. The way I look upon it is like a preparation for understanding where we are now in in this big evolutionary scheme. And so what will be coming next in December is another book that is called the. Uh, the, the ninth wave of creation. And that really is something that's leading up to. It sort of starts with this uh, um, ideas about the past and it leads up to where we are uh, 
uh, now in in the evolution of humankind. Hmm. And uh, uh, so it's much more, you might say, time-sensitive material. And then comes a a third book, which is really about um, uh, um, how do we, I, I think so, it's about altered states of consciousness, and it's very much related to these two books, because the way I look upon history is that history is like a progression of different states of consciousness, Mm -hmm. or different states of mind, you might say. And uh, um, then that, of course, raises the question, you know, is this anything we can do about that, or is it everything determined? And um, that's something I feel I, I will need to write a third book about um, that I haven't really, I've only started very briefly on, on working with that. But the other two are, are in, are, the first one is published, the other one is coming in December. And that, that, so that's, that's sort of my, um, it, it's, it, it's my trilogy here is a way of, of making sense of the shift in the Mayan calendar that we went through recently. Yeah, and, and, and the, the shift that you went through was actually in 2011, right? Not 2012? Yes, yes. Yes. How did you? Uh, yeah. How did you get to like? Um, how did you come to become interested in this? Like, how did the first book come to be, or how did you kind of find the path? Yeah, well, it's, that that is a long story, uh, of course. And and uh, as I said, there there is a background in in all of these books with, that comes. There's especially information that I think from the Mayan calendar that I'm sort of. Uh, 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 drawing conclusions uh, uh, about in in many areas of, of human life, and so um, th- that comes to how did my love story with the Mayan calendar begin, um, which is um, in a sense I think it, it's it's been there from the beginning, even though I wasn't quite aware of it, and mm-hmm. I, I, I I I feel that our you know, this was really almost like a mission that I was born with in, in this particular life. And, uh, uh, but it, it did start in, in a more serious way when I uh, went to Mexico and Guatemala. Uh, I was a young backpacker in 1979 and went down, took a third class train down to uh, Yucatan and uh, um uh, went down and and uh, saw for the first time these Mayan ruin sites and became familiar with their particular calendar system, or at least you know a, a little bit of what was known at that particular time because things have changed. In in those days, there was you know uh, there was really no one who attached the Mayan calendar to some kind of a spiritual meaning, um, except for 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 them, mm-hmm. you know, nobody considered that this would uh, be any information that was relevant for the rest of the world. But I got familiar with it, and uh, uh, and I learned then that their way of looking at time was quite different from what I have been, well, as all modern people would have, have uh, been uh, taught to, to look at time. Um, in other words, you know, we are used to to measuring time. Essentially, we we have our clocks and uh, measurement devices to measure time and so forth. 
And it is really like a very much like a quantitative phenomenon. Um, uh, we we try to you know we we have it we use it for everything when, when it comes to being as fast as possible uh, in in all possible ways. Uh, but to the Maya, it it became clear to me that to them that was not what time was about. Uh, to them, it was like more a qualitative phenomenon, so that uh, there were time periods that would be uh, symbolized by, for instance, glyphs, these kind of mysterious uh, symbols that they they would uh, use to describe their, their calendar uh, periods, or they would be associating with them with numbers, or they would be associating with them with gods. And um, uh, what they meant then was that a particular time period that they uh, um, that they would define would be characterized by these uh, qualities, like spiritual qualities associated with a god would also be associated with a particular time period. Mm. The time was, was just a completely different thing. Uh, it, it was not about measuring how fast things go or keeping track of time in, in, in that usual sense we do, but more about learning what is the quality of the time, what kind of a prophecies can we make from these uh, different time periods. And uh, that was fascinating to me, that, that, it, that time could be looked upon so differently from what I have been tr- uh, trained to look at it and uh, way I understood it, and, and it, it, you know, it stayed with me. It became an enigma. What, what does this mean? And, and uh, unlike the archaeologists that I, you know, came in contact with it to some extent down there in, in Mexico and Guatemala, um, I didn't dismiss their view. I, I, I thought there felt there's absolutely some truth to, to how they perceive time, and and, for, and that that became the the beginning of, of my quest for understanding what what it was all, all about. Yeah, that's one of the most fascinating things is time. And it, like nowadays, you hear people talking about how there is no time and space, and time is not linear, and you could be going through you know concurrent lifetimes at once. It's just hard to wrap your head around. Or it's yeah. an illusion. Yeah, or time is an illusion. Yeah. I think right. June... it is an illusion. I agree that it's an illusion, but it's a very powerful illusion in that case. But uh, that we somehow have to adapt to, or at least we choose to do so. Right. So, do you think, like these, when people talk about golden ages and people living to be a thousand or fifteen hundred or nine hundred or like Methuselah and people like this, do you think that's a matter of somehow having a more mastery over time or more mastery over consciousness? Or something along those lines, or do you think that's a different? Just you're just adding up the years differently. Well, did you say the golden age first, or did you? Did I hear? Yeah, you? that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the golden age is, in my view, it, it it's an era that we are now beginning to enter, um, and so I, 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 you know, that's the concept I, I use, and I, I think it's a real thing. Um, then the, the the other thing that you mentioned about the you know people saying that there were 
kings in in the, you know if you look at the old Sumerian king list you will see them uh, saying that some kings would be thousands of years and and as you you know the the biblical Methuselah you mentioned they they I think there are ten people mentioned in the Bible that supposedly went up to uh, nine hundred years. Um, I can't say that I believe in that in 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 a, in a real sense. I think uh, uh, that belongs to a time almost like before people measured the time mm. and just sort of. I, I yeah I don't I I don't really get into that. It, it's it's almost like the course. description of a dynasty as opposed to a lifetime. Yeah, that that, that may very well be. I mean yeah. that that really. Uh, huh. and, uh, I think it was. Almost like it was a way of of just honoring somebody or or saying that a person was very significant to say that oh he lived for nine hundred years or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. It's 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 not something I would bet on in any real life situation. Right. I like that. Like, Nor would I. So I I like how yeah. you've uh, I like how you've tried to answer some really big questions here. Like in your in your preface of of the Global Mind book. You, you've got two questions yeah. here. What, number one, what is the origin of human civilization? And number two, what yeah. is the relationship between mind and brain? Like those are, those are two of my favorite questions. Like there's something missing in our origin for sure. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. and the mind and brain thing is, you know, it's, it's a controversy still going on today, whether what, yeah. which comes first kind of thing. So that's, I mean, those are some pretty big questions. Um, and and looking through your book and reading some of your book here really got me thinking about things in a different way. Like I love some of the graphs and the the visual yeah. things you have in there yeah. showing how civilization sort of jump started at some point. You know, between between yeah. Uh, yeah. what would you say between go what was the the term of it where Gobekli Tepe was around and then there seemed to be this gap of like four or five thousand years and then it jumps into. Um, the, the beginning of the long count, which which corresponds yeah. with the rise of civilization. Yeah, yeah. Current yeah. civilization. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about and, that uh, a bit? Well, sure. Uh, um, well, that is an, an enigma. I, I mean, it's been an enigma uh, for historians for a long time. And uh, I mean, why... Why do humans create civilization uh, uh, in the first place? It's, it's sort of an enigma if you start thinking about it. Um, even though I would say mainstream historians have really not tried to come up with any kind of explanation. Mm -hmm. They are basically happy with sort of describing that this happened and so forth. But it, it becomes an interesting problem when you... Uh, consider the the sudden rise of of civilization, the sudden emergence of city life and pyramids and so forth, about five thousand years ago, um, and uh, because um, it, it is fairly established and agreed upon that um, human the human brain has basically been the same for about one hundred fifty thousand years, mm -hmm. which is the time span that the the, the Homo sapiens have been the dominant species uh, on our planet. Mm -hmm. And if, now what, what that would mean that even though our brains haven't changed, um, 
the, the, our thinking, uh, um, not to mention our technology and so forth, has dramatically uh, changed in, in the past 5,000 years. In other words, a, a very short period of, of, of the time that Homo sapiens has, has been on our planet. And uh, basically people are, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but basically uh, as far as we can know from archaeological studies and so forth, um, People have been staying in caves pretty much until about 5,000 or maybe 10,000 years uh, ago. Um, and then suddenly comes this, this dramatic uh, explosion of uh, new phenomena. Uh, people start to create monarchies. People start to build pyramids. People start to build uh, um, cities, uh, use metals. Um, they start to use calendars, uh, they start to write, uh, and, and many other things. And all of these things are sort of just popping up. The, the original forms of all the, of these things are basically popping up about 5,000 years ago and have never existed before. And uh, why did that happen? And uh, there is... Uh, outside of the mainstream uh, of history, um, there has been uh, other groups, uh, sort of, you might say, alternative historians that have come up with with uh, other kind of, uh, or, or who has realized the dilemma and, and tried to fill the gap and to come up with explanations as, as to what might have happened that, that caused this sudden rise in, in civilization. And... Basically, there's been two different um, um, uh, explanations outside of the mainstream. Uh, one is uh, ancient alien theory, which mm. has been immensely theory uh, popular, and and uh, uh, you might say Eric von Däniken started this in 1968, and basically saying that uh, humans did not create this um, civilization from 5,000 years just on their own. Uh, they were helped. There came people from other uh, other planets or, or from space or whatever who told them essentially how to build pyramids and do all these kind of things that we now call civilization. So that's one thing. And then there's the other uh, quite popular uh, um, uh, theory, which is that at one point, at some distant point in the past, there was some kind of high civilization already existing on our mm. planet. And usually it's referred to as Atlantis or something like that. And so in that theory, uh, the idea, I think, seems to be that uh, people from that lost civilization about 5,000 years ago um, starts to tell people about the knowledge they used to have and so people all over the world are starting to create these kind of civilizations. So uh, th those are, I would say, the main um, theories that have been around. And uh, I'm coming here with, a, with a, a third alternative, you might say, which is that what happened around 5,000 years ago was a, 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 a downloading of, of a new mind. Um, even if people have, still have the same brains, uh, 
the, the mind is not something that our mind, uh, brains are creating. The mind that we have is really something that ultimately comes from the cosmic center and is sort of broadcast around uh, the whole universe in the form of, uh, of, of waves. Um, and uh, what happened 5,000 years ago then when civilization uh, started was that these waves reached our own planet and the, the planet sort of mediated, um, became a relay for the information in these waves. And what happened then was that people started to be, create resonance with these waves. And um, as that happened, their minds were altered. They, they, they got, uh, in, in a sense, they really got, for the first time, got a true mind. And as that happened, they started to see reality in a completely different way. They started to uh, uh, recreate a, a reality outside of themselves that was consistent with the, how they saw reality. So in this way of looking at things, the mind is really, changes in the mind is really what is primary to anything human uh, beings is developed technologically or um, spiritually or, or, or anything like that, for, for that matter. So we become, our minds become somewhat of, of receivers, or our brains, I should say, I'm sorry. Our brains become somewhat of a receiver from a, actually a cosmic mind, but I, I have focused here on the global mind, which is just one step in the transmission of of information from the cosmic center uh, to ourselves. And, and so in this way, you know, it, there is a connection here between both the mind-brain relationship on, uh, and the rise of civilization. And uh, I, by, by connecting it this way, which fits very well with how many ancient civilizations themselves would describe the changes that they went through at mm. the time. Like then, then, then I'm 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 proposing uh, solutions to both the mind-brain relationship and the the origin of civilization. Hmm. Yeah, and it happens to line up with the start of the long count calendar, right? So, are you saying then that you think yeah. that we were going through a special spot in the in our galaxy or and or universe, and it's sort of like actually ca at a cosmic level then? Well, I, I think that yeah, it it, it certainly is. Uh, I'm not sure that I think we went through a special spot in the in the universe, but I do feel that. Um, we we there were new waves that was were were coming into the earth and mediated to the earth and, right. and these new wa waves we downloaded. Um, it, it may be as you're suggesting, or or it may be in some other way, but it is very much linked to the waves that are coming in, and we were not able to receive them previously right, or right. whatever. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that development happening through psychedelics, through plant uh, ingestion or mushrooms or anything like that? Like, yeah, I, I yeah, that, that's really what I'm thinking about for the third um, book in, in this trilogy. Um, 
see, uh, my view may be a little bit. I mean, there there have been people like uh, Terence McKenna who who suggested that uh, the use of psychedelics was the right was the origin of of much of civilization. And uh, Graham Hancock says something a little bit similar, uh, pointing to how you can see more or less psychedelic visions being. Uh, uh, painted on, on the cave paintings in, in France that are about 40,000 years and so forth. Um, I have a little bit different take on it. Um, I, I would say that the use of mushrooms or, or psychedelics is, is more like an um, expansion of consciousness. or, or uh, in, it's, uh, Whereas the mind that I'm talking about is really something that limit consciousness. It's something that our mind is something that, that separates. And, um, and in terms of, I, I would say that um, it was the downloading of the mind that created civilization. And the reason is that um, the mind that separates, it is really what gives us the intellectual ability to uh, to create technology, etc., etc. Et it's the separating abilities of the mind that that uh, uh, creates that. Hmm. And uh, so I don't I don't think that psychedelics can create uh, has that ability to to discernment to to separate mentally speaking. I would say. Uh, psychedelics is the opposite to that. It's more an opening to an expansion of consciousness, to taking away the filters, taking away the the, the uh, uh, discernment, you might say, and and open for become open for for just about anything that's that's out there in the spirit world, uh, so to speak. So, and so, so my my let me just finish this. Yeah. And so my my view is is somewhat different. Um, my view is that about five thousand years ago, uh, 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 and and also to some extent already ten thousand years ago, people started to download the mind, and that the mind then that they downloaded had all kinds of filters and and it it. It took up, it took away from them their their experience of of unity with spirit. I think people before the mind was do- downloaded were maybe constantly in some kind of a state of consciousness similar to a shamanic or psychedelic oh, yeah, yeah. state, where everything. And so, what happened when people had started to download the mind and and its separating quality was that. In order to go back to that unity for for spiritual reasons, for for reasons of inspiration and, and feeling the, the community with everything that exists, people then it became necessary for them to use various kinds of mushrooms or or, or plant uh, concoctions, etc., etc., to come back to that wholeness. Oh, I see what you're saying. The yeah. mind, the mind that created civilization that took the wholeness away from us. Right. Okay. You know, it's, it's not it's not just good to have a civilization. There is a price for it. As yeah. Well. <laughs> and and we most of us has realized that at this point. Uh, but but so I look upon it differently, uh, almost opposite. 
Yeah, um, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, Good. well, I'm happy I yeah, yeah, and it makes more sense now to me. I didn't catch that in, yeah. when I was reading the book. So, what, what about what about the theory, the second theory that you're talking about, where um, it, it came from people learning from past advanced civilizations, like basically being passed down? Like, do you think that it it's an option that after the end of the Ice Age, when basically Gobekli Tepe and some of these other megalithic sites were were known to have been built or at least have been even up, up at that point. Um, and then the ice age, yeah. the end of the ice age happened. It was a pretty c- catastrophic, fairly fast change of the world's environment, like the globe's environment. And it, what if yeah. it, it, what if it just took that 4,000 year gap for civilization to get back on its feet again, or not, not civilization, but humanity to get back on its feet again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that—that that is what uh, uh, some people um, argue, and it, but it's not what I believe. Um, It's—it uh, um, it doesn't make—it doesn't explain the fact of the the sudden and the synchronous uh, emergence of civilization in in different parts of the world. I think uh, that that's part of the reason. The the second reason is that. Um, is that you know when when you start looking at uh, evolution, and I'm talking about evolution from the Big Bang until the present time, in in the perspective of the Mayan calendar, and then you start to see that pretty much everything is part of a sort of a, in, a, an evolving process where new waves with new and higher frequencies are sequentially activated. And um, it, it doesn't occur then that suddenly, randomly, outside of the, the this different uh, of this game, you might say, this pattern that that the Mayan calendar uh, describes, that suddenly something happens outside of it. It's just what, what, what I've never found anything like that, and and for that reason, I I really will not believe that there was such a thing as as the lost civilization. I, I think, um, I, I don't think, you know, the, 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 that whole idea, I should say, is, is based on the absence of, of evidence rather than, than on any, any kind of uh, real uh, tangible um, um, uh, evidence. It, it's, it's more, I, I would say, it's more because people cannot make sense of the fact that uh, um, uh, suddenly there was this uh, quantum jump in evolution 5,000 years ago. It doesn't fit our normal worldview, and so this is one of the things people have come up with to, to fill the gap. But it's not something I believe in. That's, that's all I can say. And, and as you know, there's a lot of spokespeople for this particular thing, uh, this particular idea, but... Um, Nobody has ever come up with, this, you know, like showing any kind of object that um, indisputably can be uh, assigned to Atlantis or, or, or anything like that. Right. So it's a common idea, I, but I don't share it. Right. What about, so do you agree with the current timeline of history then? Like like the pyramids are three yeah. or 4,000 years old? Yeah. I, I, I basically idea uh, I agree with the, with the, 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 the timeline of history that 
uh, is, is sort of established in mainstream history. The, re- the recent part, yeah. 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 So, so how did, did the Mayan calendar get created uh, around this timeline then, or did this timeline follow uh, a Mayan calendar? Like, what came first, kind of? Like, was this rise of civilization part of the reason how the, 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 the tunes got set up, like the, the time phases or stages? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, the, um, the, the, the long count calendar of the Maya started to be used about 2,000 years ago. I think the oldest um, inscription is about uh, 34 BC or something like that. So it's actually a long time then after the, uh, this rise of this, the original rise of civilization 5,000 years ago. Um, so um, you may wonder then, what, uh, um, um, how, how did they do it 3,000 years later? Um, and uh, especially then considering that, you know, more than 2,000 years ago, the Maya did not really have a sort of a, a high civilization. They had no writing. They They might have had pyramids in certain locations, but... It, it wouldn't go back to 5,000 years ago. So exactly how this has happened, I don't really know. Um, and they seem to have started to count the days and count time uh, much earlier than, than the long count. But, um, and, and they seem to have started to uh, experience the shifting qualities of the days uh, earlier than, than, than 2,000 years ago. But... Uh, so there's a gap here in what I can explain, or I think what any anyone can explain. Um, but you know, an interesting thing is you find the same gap essentially when you start to when you start to look at the uh, the, the yoga of the Hindu system of of, uh, of calendars, because they basically also place you know they place the beginning of of the their Kali Yoga uh, almost exactly at the long count. It's about a hundred years difference, I, th- I think, between uh, when the Kali Yoga began and and, uh, and the long count began. And you have the same uh, question there. How, why did they put the, the beginning of, of their, their calendrical system at that particular time? And they, they seem to have known it. They seem to have been, I would say, so much in resonance with this kind of uh, uh, the wave movement of creation, if you like, that they were able to, to put a fairly exact date on when, when this all, all started. Um, but, but it is, you know, I, I, I would agree here that there is a gap, there is something uh, to be understood and... Uh, um, that I that's all I can say. Well, I believe that there's there's also something like a collective consciousness where if, if these if these people were in tune with I don't know, whatever yeah. you want to call it, the spirit world or or the one the field or the collective consciousness, that this stuff could be spread that way as well, I think. So once a hundred monkeys figured yeah. out to make a pyramid, all the yeah. monkeys knew how. Yeah. Like it's it's like when yeah. people are developing this or creating something, it's out there for other people to download. Yes. Yeah. Yes, at some point that happens, and um, um, there, there should have been. 
you know, according to the model that I experience, uh, described in this book, it should have been a, 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 an experience of anyone living 5,000 years ago or 5,130 years ago of a dramatic change in consciousness. And uh, it's, I mean, it's just, actually the Sumerians talk about the, the civilization beginning at that particular time. And uh, um, it, 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 it's, um, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the Egyptians, they say that that time was a creation by the gods that began. began. Their, their civilization was created 5,100 years ago, and they talked about that as a creation by the gods. In other words, they experienced a, a shifting consciousness that was coming from a, a, a divine source, I would, would call it. And so it's not too far-fetched to, to think that, you know, that particular event was such a big shift in when people started to download this rational mind for the first time, that it was such a big shift that people started to counting the days in relationship to it. And uh, certainly the Maya do have a, a, a description of what, of what happened at that particular time, and, and that's a description that really makes a lot of sense to me, at least. It was a change in, in the mind, a new state of mind emerged. And uh, once that state of mind emerged, the people would start to approach things rationally. And one of the things that they could approach rationally would then be timekeeping and, uh, and counting the days and etc., uh, etc. Et Do you think this, this is uh, the shift that we're going through now then is, is the, the next wave? So I guess that's what you're getting at, right? No, I'm not really saying that it's the new wave. Uh, I, or, or yes and no. Um, you know, this book talks about only two different long-term waves of the Mayan calendar, the, yeah. the fifth wave and the sixth wave. But there are a totality of nine major waves. Uh-huh. And uh, I was, and, and they all shifted in, in 2011. But uh, the, the, the most important aspect, I think, of, of the that happened in 2011 was that um, in that year, the, the ninth wave, the highest wave, was activated for the first time in, in human history. Uh, it had never been active before. And each of these waves creates sort of a, a new kind of a human being uh, who, who has a new mentality, a new spirituality, and so forth. And I, I do believe that this highest wave, the ninth wave that was activated only in 2011, that it uh, that that has a new quality. It is changing the world um, as we speak, um, and, and will continue to do so. So I, I, it's not like I would say that a new cycle is beginning, uh, because I, I would rather say that the waves are just endlessly continuing into the future. But it, it is a new world uh, that, that is being created now. And uh, 
I, I think a lot of people are, are feeling that things are no longer, that, that much of the, of the stability of, of uh, the, the world and the political system of the world and so forth, are, much of that is, is really uh, on the way out and, and may not be upheld in the time ahead. And the way I interpret that is that it, it all comes out of the fact that these Mayan waves, or I should say rather, these waves of creation that the Maya would describe as hollow, they are now recreating the, the human being um, uh, uh, who, who's, who's, uh, and, and uh, our entire civilization, I would say. Hmm. Are Mayan, Mayan, were Mayan years shorter? Sorry, were Mayan years shorter than our years today? They were they they went were they on a twenty eight day month? No, the, the, that's that's not the real Mayan calendar. The twenty eight day month. Um, it, it's um, um, it, that was a calendar that was invented by uh, Jose Arguelles in in the in the eighties, I, I think. But it's, that's his invention. It, it was never used by the Maya, but some people would talk about it as the Mayan calendar, but but the Maya have never used a, a 28-day calendar. Uh, so so that that's um, there's a lot of things that have happened in in, in modern times where when uh, sort of confusing the situation uh, with, with these kind of things. Um, How many days were in a Mayan year then? A Mayan year, yeah. Uh, a Mayan year, I would say three hundred and sixty days. That's the that's the best uh, uh, year, I would say. Three hundred sixty days. Um, one and so one not, degree a day. It, yeah, one one degree a day. You might say three hundred and sixty is a significant number, and uh, uh, yeah. Hmm. So. So it's and and it, you know it tells us something significant because the Maya knew uh, the duration of the the regular solar year and they knew it I think with three decimals or something like that. In other words, they knew that the the physical year is three hundred sixty five point two four two two days, but still they did not follow that particular time frame. They used a, a year that was 360 days because that's that's the spiritual wavelength, whereas uh, the the um, the 365 uh, day year that's like a physical uh, time period based on the physical uh, revolution of the Earth around the Sun. So how did so, they, uh, they, they? Sorry. No, no, please. So how did they adjust their calendar? Because, I mean, by that count, every six or seven years, you'd be off your harvest and everything else. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, that, that's the interesting thing. They they didn't adjust it. So the the you might say the New Year days would, would always move that. It wouldn't be, yeah, that's you know, interesting. we have... Yeah. So, so summer they, would you know, rotate they, and everything would yeah, just like, rotate. Yeah, but around. well, the seasons are different yeah. than the calendar. We get stuck in the way our calendar's set up around the seasons, but who cares, really? Like, if spring is. Well, January, it's not that our, our calendar is like, not set up around the seasons, it's set up around an exact revolution around the sun. 
Yeah, which is corresponds to the seasons. Well, the seasons correspond to the revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. But if you if you took that away, like, who cares if like February or like April was spring or not? Like, it doesn't really matter. That's just our own. Well, it matters for. I mean, it matters for harvests and things no, like that. No, it's still it's still happening. It doesn't matter what what you call it, right? Well, well, no, it makes yeah. it you easier. Know, well, you know that the sun's at this level and that's the harvest time. Like, you don't need somebody to tell you on a piece of paper that it's April and it's harvest time or whatever, right? Says the guy who. <laughs> What? Yeah. It's a piece of paper to tell them everything. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, you know, I am a gardener and I plant, but I don't really necessarily look at the date in the calendar to find out when it's time to plant. <laughs> where, where, whereabouts are you located? I'm, I'm located in, in New Mexico, in northern New Mexico. Yeah, see, like here in Calgary, we have a rule like you never plant till after May long. <laughs> Yeah, because it can always even though, snow. even though May long goes back and forth, like because it's not static. only by a week or so. Is it by a week or so? That's yeah. it. Yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. So sorry, I interrupted you there, but you were talking about um, what were you talking about the calendar, the way uh, the way they measure well, the calendar, we, I guess. Yeah. No, I I I I don't think I was interrupted. I was just making the the point that they didn't have a new year. And then, oh, that's right. And it, and it, oh, and so there isn't even any back. months. What was that? So they didn't even really have months then. It was just like after day 360 was day 361. Well, yeah, but it was more than that, though, because they, you know, if, we, if you want to go deeper into it, uh, the uh, time was divided on another basis. And, uh, and, uh, I, I started by talking about this a little bit and saying that their concept of time was different from ours. Ours are, are built on material phenomenon. Uh, we, we're measurable. We're measure, using measurable time, and 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 uh, uh, whereas theirs were, were based on the qualities of time. And so they had a you know if if you want to know how they lived, uh, um, they, they would. Uh, they would follow essentially on on a daily basis. We're not talking in a, anymore now about the co- big cosmic scheme or anything like that. But on a daily basis, they they followed something uh, what is called the sacred calendar. Uh, the Tzolkin is another word for it, and uh, which is was a, a calendar that spanned two hundred and sixty days, and. Uh, those 260 days were um, divided uh, into 13 times 20, you might say. You might say they were 13-day periods or 13 20-day periods. And each of those 20-day periods were divided so that each of the 20 days in it was, it was given a certain symbol. And each of the 13-day periods was given a certain number from 1 to 13. And each of the, these days then, in 260 days, would be a combination of a, of a day number and, and a list. And uh, um, it's, uh, uh, this was really how they lived on a daily basis with time, because to them, every day had a, had a special quality, 
and they were keen to to know what the quality was and what they meant, what they were going to eat, what kind of events they were going to expect, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, you know, I, I, it's a curious phenomenon that uh, this particular uh, um, 260-day period that they uh, followed will uh, begin again uh, on 4th of July. What is that? Four days from now, or something like that. So. Uh, that's I should say, you know, the descendants of the, of the old Maya, they are continuing this tradition, and and they so every every 260 day there is a gathering of new uh, potential daykeepers, potential people following the the old sacred calendar, and uh, on Fourth of July it so happens. The point is, it so happens. Uh, this year, 4th of July, they will be gathering in a place in Guatemala called Momostenango. Then the, the daykeepers are initiated, and then they go through a training of 260 days where they will learn all the qualities of the, of the days uh, and so forth. And so um, it, this leads, you know, I should say, now that I'm talking about how the Maya are using time in our current time and so forth, uh, it's leads outside of, of, of the book, uh, but it's a fascinating piece of, of modern-day history, the fact that this is still kept in existence. They consider the, the, their, their sacred calendar as, as, a, as a tool for, for humanity, actually, to, to increase their wisdom about time, and, and this is still going on. Mm. That's fascinating. So where does the uh, thing that weirds me out the most of the time is like uh, how it relates to relativity and size and things like that. And, you know? How does it relate to size? I don't get it. Well, on a planet with more gravity, time moves faster. So if Earth was the size of Jupiter, then a year would probably be the equivalent of like, I don't know, I'm just guessing, but probably like maybe 50 or 60 days, maybe less. Remember on Interstellar when they went to that one planet? It ended up being like 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. And they've proven that oh, okay. with those yeah. atomic clocks. Huh. Just, yeah. at, just, at, yeah. uh, or just at low Earth orbit, there's a difference of a couple of microseconds. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah, that is um, pretty trippy. Yeah. So, what, um, yeah. What do you think about. Uh, what do you think about our current materialistic paradigm that we're living in? Like you talk about mind and brain a lot in your book. So what, what do you yeah. think about um, how we're stuck in this sort of space right now where we have a whole bunch of people that, you know, that live their life thinking that consciousness is separate from the brain and, and then there's this, but we're still yeah. stuck under the thumb of the materialistic society where brain equals mind and, and that's, you know, your brain creates any type of conscious yeah. extended consciousness or anything, especially now since they can physically induce mind altering states through technology. They're saying yeah. that that, that proves that the brain causes this, um, this consciousness experience or this, this separation experience. So what, what do you, what are your thoughts on that after going through this book and looking at the mind and the brain? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's, Right, I think they have it all wrong. <laughs> in, think, in thinking that the the 
the mind or the or consciousness is a product of, of the brain. Um, you know, one simple argument, um, and it's not a complete Placebo. argument, is, but it's this, this is fascinating thing that, you know, they've done all these um, uh, surgical procedures of, on, on children that have had seizures. And uh, uh, the one way of dealing with those kind of seizures is to take out half the brain. Uh, it's called hemispherectomy. And it's a very well-documented uh, uh, surgical procedure. And what, what is maybe surprising, and it really was surprising when I first thought about it, is that these kids that are whose half-brain is just literally taken out, uh, they, they do perfectly fine, mentally speaking, and, and in all respects. Uh, so, so for some reason, a half-brain doesn't, mean anything or it doesn't it's not crucial for for, for our, our uh, functioning um but you know it's and i don't want to go into the, the um, further arguments um, in this brain mind discussion because i i feel that what this book has, has done is that he's really shown that uh the the, uh, the evolution of the mind seems to to conform to to weight pretty exactly often that um, uh, 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 that, uh, and meaning that the mind must then really be a product of something else than just the brain, which has always that has been the same for basically hundred and fifty thousand years. Um, but um, I think what I like to do is to you know, to the the last thing I'd, I'd like to go into here is, is rather than if sort of go into the argument of which one is right mm -hmm. when it comes to the mind-brain relationship, is to uh, look at the consequences of this. What you talk about as the materialist paradigm, and or 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 um, um, because it blocks people in, in their in their understanding of of. Uh, um, how the world is created and, and our own place in it. Uh, what I mean by that is that um, the way I look upon it is that there is a divine source at the center of the universe that is broadcasting uh, these different waves of, of uh, uh, creating new mentalities and so forth. And uh, uh, if you do not share that, if that view. If you think that uh, the, the, um, uh, that that the, your mind is a creation of your your brain, then there wouldn't be any kind of synchronicities. Then there wouldn't be any kind of uh, hundred monkeys effect. Then people would not change their their thinking simultaneously and creating uh, uh, inventions simultaneously. Etc. Etc. Et and uh, it also uh, blocks people's uh, awareness to the extent that they they are able to to, to change. Um, in the, in the following sense, you know, I I mentioned earlier here that um, the, the, since a couple of years, since five years back, uh, a new wave has been. Um, activated that brings a, a new kind of a, a consciousness to humanity. 
not that everyone. I would say only a relatively small uh, minority has began to download it. But that, that, that new wave is now downloadable. It can be accessed. And that, I believe, is really to do so, is really to become part of the destiny of humanity. Because that is the, the sort of the, the unity consciousness. It's a mind that doesn't separate. It's, it's the unity consciousness that becomes downloadable with this new mind, uh, new wave. And uh, the consequences for all that is, is really, it, it, in my view, it, it opens up the possibility of uh, us going into a golden age. Because in order for us to um, understand that everything is connected, that we are all connected, and that we're all connected with nature, we're all connected with the divine, we all have the possibility of being connected with each other, etc., <clears throat> etc. Et Once you uh, uh, come to realize that, uh, you know, then you're starting to move in the direction of being a co-creator of this golden age. And if people, uh, which is, you know, it is the dominant scientific view is that the mind comes from the brain, well, then they will never be aware of this, and they will never become aware of the possibility that, that lies in the awareness of, of the kind of uh, uh, creation waves that that are emanating from the center of the universe, and that is to me the, really the the, the main uh, problem, the, uh, the 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 blocking aspect of the materialist uh, worldview, and um, so that's that's what that's what I think about that. I, I do encourage any listener to to explore um, the, the 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 possibility that we are now going towards a, a, a golden age, but also that that particular golden age uh, has become possible because we can now, in accordance, with, uh, in accordance with the Mayan calendar system, we can now download a mind of unity that's never been available before. And I'm convinced that this is our destiny. Well said. Yeah, I find that... That the uh, the materialists would say that they could they spin that around and say it the other way, where they say that uh, because there is no life after death, and because we are just uh, basically a a biological robot, that you know all you have is this life, and you should live it to the fullest, and be you know basically you know in the moment and doing all that stuff because this is all you got, you yep. know. Whereas I yep. I tend to think of uh, more of what you said that. If you realize that we're all one and we're all connected, that there'll be less, you know, less wars and less violence and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Huh. What else do you, what else do you, uh, feel like we should touch on before we wrap it up? Um, it's a, it's a fascinating thing and you've really tied some stuff together here with the, the Mayan calendar and the rise of civilization. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, I'm 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 happy to leave it like that. I, I enjoyed talking to you, and uh, um, I, I think you know the. I think I got the message through. Or actually, um, the, the book is of course a detailed discussion of all, of all kinds of 
problems relating to the mind-brain relationship and the rise of civilization. But, um, you know, I think what I said here at the end was really what, what, why this is important. Yeah. And why I, I believe it's important. And so I'm happy to, to have got that through. And I thank you for having taken me in for this discussion. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, I mean, you should keep in touch when your other books come out as well. I mean, you, we didn't even get yeah. into like the pineal gland, and you have a bunch of charts and graphs and pictures in here. That's oh, very, yeah. it's very visual, and I like that because sometimes, for me, it takes me to see all the civilizations yeah. in the last five thousand years in a, in a little chart that kind of helps me visualize yeah. what. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of visual like that, where it helps me uh, see that. So yeah, yeah. You've, I appreciate all the work you put into this book and. Um, and we can Thank have you, you back yeah. on when your other ones come out. Yeah. Okay. Right on, Carl. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, take Thank care. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. Yeah, enjoy okay. the weekend. Enjoy the holiday, actually, yes. I suppose. You guys that's, take like a whole right. week off for that, don't you? I, oh, yeah. It's July 4th. Yeah, I, yeah. Right. And you guys are Canadians, so you're not celebrating 4th of July, right? We celebrate tomorrow. Well, we barely celebrate tomorrow, but we, we're supposed to celebrate tomorrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Carl. Happy 4th well, of July. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did you uh, hang up? I did, yeah. Well, what'd you think? That was interesting. Yeah, it's good. I, I I I'm not sure where the um where the download actually comes from. I think it's more of a cosmic thing, but it is pretty fascinating how the correlation between uh, all the rises of civilization in there and the the long count. Or is it the other count? A quasi count? Yeah. I don't know. I have trouble with the whole first time civilization on Earth. I suppose it's oh. possible, but with the more and more evidence that's coming out all the time, it seems like something was going on. Oh, you mean before this one, before the, like, like Gobekli Tepe era and all that, even? Yeah, exactly. I, I think he thinks that um, the the all those other megaliths were built by, and there's evidence to show this, built by hunter-gatherers more so than like a, a civilization sitting in a city, like, or, or living in a city. Yeah, maybe. I find that hard to believe too, though. Yeah. You have it, to be, I, I mean, at that point, are you still a hunter gatherer? Or if you're you just carving stop, out these you massive like, stones, are you just stop kind for a of few decades stumbling and... by and just like carving a bit? The next guy comes along, carves a bit? Because that shit's got to take fucking years. Yeah. Especially stuff like Gobekli Tepe, like that had to So, take. while those people are carving that shit, someone's bringing them food. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you kind of stop becoming a nomad when you build a place like Gobekli Tepe. Before. Yeah. Nomads don't build places like Gobekli Tepe. Yeah. In my humble opinion. Yeah, it makes me want to go back down, or not back down, but down to uh, that area of Mexico and and Guatemala. And even down there, like, and there's a lot of ancient sites right at at the bottom there, eh? Not in how many are underwater. I know. When are we going to fi- figure that out? We aren't. Well, 
but in general we talked to dr carmen bolter doesn't she have access to one of those cameras like a lidar camera and that can go over the water and she didn't seem like she wanted to lend it to us you think they should be able to just map the whole ocean out eh? with all that no i don't think it can go through the ocean i think it can yeah no it can't she talked about finding the one off 95 percent of fucking the ocean is unexplored the ocean floor Oh, more than that, probably even. 97%. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Check out grammarica.ca slash support for all the different uh, monthly subscription options. Help keep the show ad sponsor and bullshit free, except for Graham's bullshit. Um, Yeah. So do that. Or make a one-time donation. Looks like we're going to get back in the t-shirt game here soon. So yeah, I got we'll, some on order. Oh, yeah. So we'll get those going again for donations of $25 or more and uh, 30 or more if you are not in Canada. And if you're in Canada, you ain't getting a fucking shirt because the Canada Post is going on strike tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Good so thing. When the t-shirts, doesn't affect my pot delivery. When the t-shirts come on, uh, I'll put, it, put a picture of it on Instagram and we'll put a couple of hashtags in there or something. Sure. All right, motherfuckers. Thanks for listening. See you next week.
back coast to coast But on demand Raw and uncut interviews And all without no ads One says false and one says true And the rate you sing grows too America, America is here for you Stories from the listeners They sent to Graham He'll read the man, be amazed But Darren may say no One says red and one says blue But if it's false, it just won't do 